They are perhaps the two leading contenders to win the Kentucky Derby. McKinsey on the inside and Baltoro in a spine-tingling spectacle at the great race place. We'll take stock of where we are on the Derby Trail, including a recap of the San Felipe showdown of McKinsey and Baltoro. Plus, anything you can do, I can do better. A study shows that female jockeys perform just as well as males do in races. What does this mean? We'll have all that and more on this edition of In the Gate. They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a head-bobbing finish! This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us in the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. It's not often that the two leading contenders for the Kentucky Derby meet this early in the season. But that's exactly what happened in the San Felipe Stakes at Santa Anita. McKinsey is the new leader. Castellano hooks Baltoro into the clear and he's ranging forward with great purpose at the top of the stretch. And Baltoro moves up alongside of McKinsey and they're racing tightly. They were brushing in up a stretch. McKinsey fights back underneath Baltoro. The San Felipe living up to its billing. A 16th left to go. McKinsey on the inside and Baltoro in a spine tingling spectacle at the great race place. Baltoro, McKinsey. They hit the line. McKinsey beats Baltoro in a photo. The stewards have disqualified McKinsey. The top two placings are reversed, and number one, Baltoro, earns the San Felipe Stakes victory via DQ. That was the headline of a bevy of Kentucky Derby preps that put us a lot further along on the Derby Trail and give us a lot to think about. So to get some sense of where we are, we bring in once again our friend Art Wilson of the Southern California News Group to help us make sense of all this. So, Art, what were your impressions of the showdown between McKinsey and Boltioro? I thought both of those Colts just laid it down. I think they're obviously uh, two very serious probably the top two right now of what they've showed, uh, Kentucky Derby contenders. I had them one, two in my Derby uh, rankings going into the race, and uh, that race certainly did nothing to sway my opinion either way. I thought that I was hoping that the result would uh, would maybe separate the two, but boy, if anything, it, it, it made it even closer between McKinsey and Baltoro. Uh, I think McKinsey going into the race had a little bit of an advantage with uh, recency. He had won the Sham Stakes uh, on January 6th by three and a half lengths, and Baltoro, because of a pulled muscle, hadn't run since the Breeders' Cup Juvenile when he ran third in a troubled trip. And uh, he, he, he just was, no one kind of knew what to expect. But he laid it down, and those two Colts just put on a show. And to me, it was reminiscent of the 2016 Breeders' Cup Distaff when Songbird and uh, Beholder battled all the way down the stretch head-in-head. And that was the same way that that race was in the San Felipe. Now, this was the second time that McKinsey was involved in a controversial finish with a multi-horse blanket finish across the wire. The first time 
he was the beneficiary of a disqualification in the cash call futurity at Los Alamitos. And there goes McKinsey. McKinsey now given his cue, but instilled regard is right up to the task on his outside. And a big move from the back of the pack for instilled regard. He's swept on up to poke a nose in front. McKinsey has to step on the gas to keep going with him. Instilled regard McKinsey. Now these two step into it with Solomini. Still a major player on the outside. Three of them coming down the lane. McKinsey. McKinsey just the leader. Instilled regard between runners. Solomini there on the outside. A three-way driving finish in the fraternity. McKinsey. Solomini. Instilled regard. Solomini. Solomini wins the Los Alamitos cash call fraternity. McKinsey and still regard battling second and third a long way to the others. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. There has been a disqualification. The stewards have ruled that number three, Solomini, has been disqualified from first and placed third for causing interference to number one instilled regard in the stretch. The new order of finish, first five, McKinsey, second one instilled regard, third three, Solomini. This time he got taken down. Is there a reason you think systematically that that horse ends up tight in these finishes? Do you think hurting is an issue for him? You know, no, I I just think it was just a um, matter of circumstance. I know in that race, as you just mentioned, the Los Alamitos Futurity on December 9th, a lot of people thought that not only Salamini should have been set down, but also McKenzie should have been DQ'd, and that they both bothered the third-place finisher uh, instilled regard. But that was not the case. They uh, they set Salamini down and, and gave McKenzie the win. So it was Mike Smith hitting uh, McKenzie left-handed there in the last 100 to 50 yards, and, and he came out. And to me, that was the stewards' deciding uh, factor was that uh, contact at the end in the last 50 yards when McKenzie drifted out and hampered both Doro. And when the race is that close, nine times out of ten, the stewards are going to disqualify the winner. Now, obviously, we don't want to necessarily dwell too much on this one particular race. We're looking ahead towards bigger things. Do you think the fact that McKenzie has been involved in a couple of crowded finishes makes a difference when he's out there against 19 other potential rivals in the Kentucky Derby? It certainly could. I think that's a a consideration because a lot of horses, when he, uh, you know, at the quarter pole there at the top of the stretch, the winner or the the eventual winner, Bolt Doro, did go in and and knock uh, McKenzie hard. And then it appeared at that point, McKenzie kind of came out of bed and hit Bolt Doro. Now, was that him coming out or was it a fact that when uh, Bolt Doro went in and hit McKenzie, that McKenzie's hind end came out? And it caused a kind of a chain reaction. But uh, McKenzie's battle-tested now. He, even though he's only had uh, four races, both of those horses, I think, are going to greatly uh, benefit from that race yesterday. I think that they're going to put on a show next time they run it. And I think because of the DQ, I think you got a budding rivalry there also between those two Colts. Art Wilson of the Southern California News Group joining us here on In the Gate. Now, the day after the San Felipe, Bob Baffert unleashed another potential monster who might factor into the Kentucky Derby Trail. It was just an allowance win, not a stakes race, but watch out for Justify. 
justify in the twinkling of an eye has put two lengths on Calix Man followed by Shiver Me Timbers. Past the quarter pole comes Justify. By three lengths, Calix Man is second on the inside of Shiver Me Timbers. Justify coming past the eighth pole would have to race in outer space to feel less pressure. He's not yet battle-hardened, but just who is the most talented three-year-old to race this weekend? Justify, a cult of limitless potential, wins by six lengths. Now, we've talked about the best in the West, and Justify may end up being one of them. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But let's also turn to the East. And we may have seen the best from the East, or one of the best from the East, in the Gotham. Old-time Revival trying to pull off the upset, and Teist is chasing with determination. Free drop Billy on the outside, and then Firenze fire there in the final furlong. And Teist lengthening his stride, trying to get to this long shot, Old-time Revival, and he collars him at the 16th pole. It will be enticed, sharp in victory, and wrapped up by Junior Alvarado as they stroll home in the Gotham. Enticed look really good, and you know... One of the trends you try to figure out when you're trying to assess who the best horses are is what are the races out of which the most number of contenders have come? And Enticed finished seventh in the Kentucky Jockey Club at Churchill Downs on Thanksgiving weekend. Out of that race, you had Quip, the winner of the Tampa Bay Derby, Bravazo, the winner of the Risen Star, and others. So that seems like a live race. And here comes Enticed to win the Gotham. Promises Fulfilled also ran in the Kentucky Jockey Club, winner of the Fountain of Youth. Are all of those horses a notch or two below uh, McKinsey and Boltioro? Or do you give a horse like Enticed a real chance to step up against them? I was impressed by Entice to win. I was disappointed when he ran fourth in the Holy Bowl. And, uh, but, you know, he was close enough where I go, I want to see another race from him. And he delivered yesterday in the Gotham. So, uh, no, I, I would definitely give, uh, give Entice a shot. Uh, I want to see his next race before the Kentucky Derby. I don't know if he plans to run in the wood or, or not, but I haven't read that yet. So, but no, Entice, I think, definitely has moved up in my rankings. I think he's a derby contender. Also, uh, Re-Ride ran in the Kentucky Jockey Club, and he came back to win a prep race at Sunland Park, the Mind That Bird Derby. So right now, that seems like a race. Now, you also have Mendelssohn, the winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf also looks like a race where a lot of derby contenders seem to be coming from which i find a little bit hard to believe but untamed domain ran in the juvenile turf who finished sixth in the tampa bay derby catholic boy who finished second in the sam davis down at tampa on the dirt my boy jack who won the southwest at oaklawn flame away who finished second in the Tampa Bay Derby to Quip, Snapper Sinclair, who finished second in the Risen Star to Bravazo, they all ran in the juvenile turf, and yet they all have thoughts of switching to dirt and running in the Kentucky Derby. What do you make of yeah. this? I I don't know. It just seems like one of those kind of a fluky years where this all happens in one year. Uh, I'm generally not a fan of horses 
that are that are thought of as, as turf specialists when they run on the dirt. You know, uh, Aiden O'Brien has, has numerous times tried to uh, win with turf horses in the Breeders' Cup Classic and has failed each time, although there were a couple instances when his horses ran well. But I'm not a fan of that, and I still sh- kind of shy away from those turf horses that uh, are going up against uh, horses that are more proven on the dirt. Well, we're definitely into the good part of the season here. We're starting to get into the big boys now, and that's what makes it fun. And, Art Wilson, thank you so much for a few minutes. It's going to be fun going up until May. It is. I'm excited for it. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, actual documentation to prove that female jockeys perform just as well as male jockeys. So why are there so few women in the profession? We'll get into that when we come back. Welcome back to the In the Gate podcast. It seems that in Europe, more so than in North America, female horses take on males fairly regularly, and many times the females win. Trev, look at her. She's stormed through to the lead now with 200 meters to go. Trev is in front by two lengths. Is she going to win a second arc? Flinches after a second to Grinner behind those. She's done it. Trev back to her best has won the arc again. It's Golden Cobra in front. Paco Boy cutting her down with every strike. Found. She's in front by two lengths. Her stable mate, Highland Wheel, is in second position. It's found and Ryan Moore. She's clear as she races towards the line. She gains a magnificent victory. It's pretty clear that four-legged females taking on males and beating them is a pretty regular occurrence. But what about the two-legged kinds? How do female jockeys stack up against their male counterparts? It's been tough to quantify, but a study partly commissioned by the British Horse Racing Authority claims that there is very little difference in the performance of female jockeys versus male jockeys. The entire study has not yet been published, but we have its author with us. She is Vanessa Cashmore, the work-based learning manager at the Northern Racing College, a small school in Doncaster, England, that teaches people to work in different parts of the racing industry. From riding to training to being a racing secretary and even the people involved in transporting horses. Vanessa Cashmore is also a recent graduate of something called the Thoroughbred Horse Racing Industries MBA, a two-year program in racetrack management at the University of Liverpool. And we are pleased to welcome Vanessa Cashmore here to In the Gate. So let's start off with the big takeaway from your study, the performance of female versus male jockeys. What did you find? Okay, a couple of main things. So on one side, we looked at some descriptive statistics. So firstly, we looked at the share of licenses held by females. So when you look at that, only a quarter of all license holders are females, which is quite surprising, really, when half of all our stable staff in Britain are female. And that's where the jockeys come from. And this is a a distribution that's remained the same for more than a decade now. So this this is not moving. And then next, we looked at the share of rides that females take, And even though they hold a quarter of all licenses, they only actually take 5.2% of rides. If you split that down across codes, they take 6.5% of rides on the flat and only 2.9% of rides in national hunt races over the jumps. 
So there's quite a difference between participation in flat and national hunt races. And then when you go on to look at the class of race that female jockeys are riding in, not only are they just generally underrepresented as jockeys, but they also take more rides in lower class races. So on the flat, if you remember that the females take 6.5% share of all rides, they take less than 1% share in class 1 races. So there would seem to be a problem there too. When you look at the prize money they take, it doesn't match their share of rides either. They take a lower share of prize money than the share of rides they take. Now, undoubtedly, this is going to be linked to the class of race they're riding in because lower classes of race have less prize money attached. But when we saw this in the data, we thought, could it be that females don't win as many races as males? So we had a look into if the share of rides matched the share of wins. So you would, you would expect there to be parity there, but this isn't the case. So if we look at flat, they're taking a 6.5% share of rides, but they're only taking a 4.9% share of wins. So when you're just looking at these figures, it really does look like females don't perform as well as males. But obviously, there might be other factors here. Female performance might not be the only factor affecting it. So we wanted to have a look and see maybe is the quality of horses that the female jockeys are riding, is it maybe not as good as the quality that the males are riding? So we needed a, a measure of the likelihood that a horse would win. Obviously, this isn't easy because if we could predict the finish position in races, well, I'd be off enjoying my winning somewhere now. I'd be right there with you. <laughs> yeah. So, but we did manage to find in handicap races, there's an inverse relationship between the cloth number and the percentage of wins. So the lower cloth numbers that carry the higher weights take a greater percentage of the wins. So we thought, right, let's have a look at this and see how the female jockeys are spread across cloth numbers. And it's really distinct that females receive less rides on the lower cloth numbers. And it's the lower cloth numbers that take a greater percentage of wins. So clearly, the females have got a lower chance of winning right from the start, even if they're as good as the, as the male jockeys. So this, it, we thought this might explain why the percentage of wins doesn't match the percentage share of rides that females take. So this is just looking at what is actually going on in the racing data. But we wanted to know how would the females perform if their rides were equally distributed amongst the cloth numbers. So we needed some kind of method to control for this kind of this hiring bias we're seeing, this, you know, that they're not getting a fair share of rides across all cloth numbers. So um, we used something called regression analysis, which is a well-recognized statistical tool, um, and it can be used to predict relationships between variables. Uh, the more data you have with it, the more accurate. And we had a, a large sample size. We used 14 years' worth of racing data, which gave us over one and a quarter million individual rides. Um, so we had pretty strong statistical power here. And we used this statistical model to control for the fact that females don't have the same chance of winning. And this is where it got really interesting because the model predicted that essentially there's no difference between male and female performance. What does that mean? So, well, looking at those results, those results really strongly indicate that if female jockeys were given the same chance on the same quality of horse as the male jockeys, their performance would be equal to that of males. 
Now, this is data from 2003 to 2016, and it seems like you restricted your data to races in the UK. Is that correct? Yes, that was just races in Britain. So obviously this study is counterintuitive to the traditional thought of women competing directly against men. What conclusions have your research led you to make about why women are able to perform as well as men in such a physically demanding profession? Uh, well, the, the study was really just quantitative analysis of the racing data, so I didn't go and look into exactly why the females are performing differently, but obviously I have some thoughts on it, because it's when you're looking at horse racing, it's the horse that's doing the work there, and the jockey riding it, there's more factors than just physical strength. The tactical and the technical skills that go along with it, they could be seen as equally important as the physical strength. Vanessa Cashmore of Northern Racing College in Doncaster, England, joining us here on In the Gate. Who actually commissioned this study, and what exactly was the motivation for doing so? So I did the work as part of the thoroughbred horse racing industries MBA that I was studying at the University of Liverpool. Um, and this was um, with the support of the university and the support of the British Horse Racing Authority. Um, I was able to do this research as part of my final dissertation. This was really, I mean, this was a, a time-limited study as part of my MBA. And so this is really an initial study. And it's great that we've had so much interest from the industry and brilliant that the British Horse Racing Authority are supporting the work. But there's definitely more work to be done in the area. Um, so I've recently been a- awarded a bursary from the Women in Racing in England to continue this research, which is brilliant news because at the moment the research is just limited to handicap races. If we could find other measures of winning chance, we could extend it to other races, maybe take the the work a step further as well, and perhaps look at other factors affecting female performance, like experience and regularity of rides. Well, uh, in that regard, you know, you write that in the 14 years of data that you analyzed, 2003 to 2016 in the UK, that women jockeys accounted for 5.2% of all rides, despite holding 24% of jockey licenses. But you also note that women are half of all stable staff. What do you think accounts for the disparity? Um, it's, it, it would purely be personal opinion, but it's difficult to say. The fact that they're only taking 5.2% of rides, it does make you wonder whether there might be it might affect girls' aspiration who are working in the in the racing industry that they don't see a large percentage of girls riding. I think that's got to affect their career ambitions. What kind of an effect do you think this study will have on the racing culture? Well, I would love to think that work like this could be a catalyst for change in British horse racing and, and perhaps change attitudes to female jockeys. We have had a, a great deal of interest in the work, and I would like to think if we can take this, this work a bit further and then actually publish the work, then I hope that we could make some change and change attitudes. And when does the full study come out? Um, we haven't actually set a date for release yet, but we are working on getting it published. But I presume it'll be sometime in 2018. Uh, yes, yeah. 
Well, that's fascinating, and it's interesting to see what effect this has on the community, not just in the U.K., but overseas and here in in North America as well. Well, thank you so much, Vanessa Cashmore, for sharing this with us. Very, very interesting, and I'm sure we're not hearing the end of this yet. Okay, thank you very much. Our thanks to Vanessa Cashmore and to Art Wilson. The American Revolution was neither American nor a revolution. You can make that argument, and if you do... It makes the term American Revolution quite ironic, since the term and actual meaning become askew. Well, good old Churchill Downs, Inc., which started by staging horse races, including a certain pair in early May, has worked really hard to be anything but a racing company, and to separate themselves, they've found a new way. Since Florida law requires them to offer paramutual betting at Calder, where they own the casino... Churchill Downs is thinking of dumping racing and staging high lot. They'd still get to keep slots, card games, and Kino. Yes, it would cost some money to build and operate high lie, but the prize fund would be less than for racing. Churchill turns away from its roots instead of trying to innovate a desperate need the sport is really facing. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.